Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. At the movie theater in my hometown, depending on who was working at the ticket window, you could often, even when you were underage, get into a rated PG movie. Now, my friends and I, who could walk to the theater to see films, were usually pretty happy with that. But occasionally, someone in our group would get it in their head that we needed to see a film that was slightly more adult, a rated R film. So to do that, what you usually had to do was find a PG film that was starting at around that time, buy a ticket for that, and then once you're in, one at a time, not as a group, because you're going to attract attention if you do it as a group, one at a time, slip into the rated R film. It also helped if you sat in different areas once you were in the rated R film. That way, you wouldn't get snitched on, or if there was someone who happened to be walking through and they see a big group of kids together, it might raise their suspicion. In 1984... A film called Up the Creek came out, and I had a friend who was obsessed with seeing this film. I'm not sure why, but he really wanted to see it, and it was a comedy, looked kind of light, looked kind of fun. I was all aboard. The movie we bought tickets to was a film I hadn't seen yet, though, called Romancing the Stone. So we went to see Romancing the Stone, bought our tickets, and went into Romancing the Stone, got in with no problem, even though it was rated PG, sat down, started watching it. I was enthralled. One by one, my friends start walking out to up the creek. Now, at this point, I'm 10 minutes in. I'm invested. I wanted to see this film. That's exactly what I did. And because of the time difference between the two films, I was even able to slip out and into the back of up the creek before it ended. So my friends didn't know that I had not come into up the creek. Now, for some reason, and I don't know why, I decided at this point to not tell them that I had stayed in Romancing the Stone, and instead pretended I had also seen Up the Creek, even though I had no idea what had happened in the film. Now, I've since seen it, but the way they described it, it sounded pretty predictable. So all I had to do was wait for somebody else to talk about it and say their favorite part was, and then when someone asked me what my favorite part was, all I would do is bring out what somebody else had mentioned. The bigger problem is that I really wanted to talk about the film I had just seen, Romancing the Stone, but I couldn't with them because I hadn't seen it. I also couldn't speak about it with my family because I wasn't even supposed to be at the movies that day, so I couldn't even tell them I had seen Romancing the Stone. This would work itself out about a week later when my family went to see Romancing the Stone, and of course I was brought along and knew everything about it and was so happy to see it even a second time. And after that, I could also tell my friends, you got to see this film, Romancing the Stone. It's not at all what you think it's going to be. It's not just romantic, although it is a romantic comedy. It has a lot of action, adventure, and humor in it. I'm not sure why I felt the need to play along with the gang and pretend I had seen it. Maybe it was because we had made this plan together and I had jumped away from the plan. Or maybe it's because I thought they would make fun of me for wanting to see Romancing the Stone at that point, rather than Up the Creek. I am very glad that I chose to see Romancing the Stone over Up the Creek. I would see Up the Creek later. And it's a funny movie, but Romancing the Stone, to me, was amazing. 
Now, I had seen other romantic comedies at that point. Maybe my favorite up till then was Arthur. But Romancing the Stone had action and adventure elements, things that I'd only seen in movies like Indiana Jones, and had both characters together having these adventures. And I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Loved it, and I still do. So on today's show, I'm going to talk about the film Romancing the Stone. We'll talk about the people behind and in front of the camera. We'll talk about the plot. We'll talk about the film's reception, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. the Stone is a action-adventure romantic comedy from 1984. It was directed by Robert Zemeckis and starred Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas, and the great Danny DeVito. It would be followed by the 1985 sequel, Jewel of the Nile, which I think we might talk about in another episode. I know, you can't wait. Now, there's been some controversy about Romancing the Stone being a Raiders of the Lost Ark ripoff, and You can maybe buy into that by saying, well, before Raiders came out, people weren't really into action-adventure like they had been, and now that Raiders was here, we're going to make it with a romantic comedy angle and put it out there, and people are going to love it too. But Romancing the Stone was written on spec by the screenwriter Diane Thomas before Raiders had come out. It just took a long time for it to develop. Her agent, when she had finished it, sold it to Michael Douglas, who took many years to get it going. And we'll talk a little bit about the casting later. I just want to talk a little bit more about Diane Thomas. Thomas passed away in a car accident in 1985. This was after Romancing the Stone was out, and that would be her only screenwriting credit, and a couple of weeks before Jewel of the Nile. She died in a car accident in a car that she wasn't driving that was given to her as a gift by Michael Douglas for her work on Romancing the Stone. At the time... She was working on another script. She was working on a sequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark. So here people are saying that she was ripping off Raiders of the Lost Ark and her movie is a big success and then they hire her to actually work on a sequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I tried to find a copy of her treatment and couldn't, but I did find out that it would have been sort of a haunted house story and that some of the elements perhaps were borrowed and put into the third indie film. Still, the idea of a sort of 1930s haunted house film with Indiana Jones as the star would have been really cool and a totally different direction. I'm really sad it never happened. The film was directed by Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis was born in 1952. He's a director, producer, screenwriter, probably best known for working on films like Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and Forrest Gump, a film for which he would win the Academy Award for Best Director. He is known for being a director who liked to use state-of-the-art special effects, and this sort of makes Romancing the Stone special in that, although there are some technical shots in it, it is a pretty straightforward as compared to later films 
like Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Back to the Future, or even Forrest Gump, which has got lots of different special effects in it. According to Kathleen Turner, he was so obsessed with cameras and effects that it annoyed her. And she's quoted as saying, I remember terrible arguments with Zemeckis doing romancing. He's a film school grad fascinated by cameras and effects. I never felt that he knew what I was having to do to adjust my acting to some of his damn cameras. Sometimes he puts you in ridiculous postures. I'd say, this is not helping me. This is not the way I like to work. Thank you. I guess I put a little bit of attitude on it. But I imagine maybe that's what she was thinking. Now, even though she wasn't a big fan of Zemeckis, she would return to do the voice of Jessica Rabbit in his work, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, in 1988. The film is set in Colombia, and they were going to film in Colombia, but because Colombia was suffering an increase in crime, especially kidnappings of Americans, they decided to move production of the film to Mexico, even though they kept the setting as Colombia. And filming locations in Mexico include Veracruz and Mazatlan. Today's show is brought to you by your local boat seller. Need to do a romantic whirlwind travel around the world? Buy a boat. Love those boats. So a little bit about the plot. Jean Wilder is played by Kathleen Turner, is a romance novelist who lives in the Big Apple, New York City, and she has a treasure map mailed to her by her brother-in-law, who had recently been killed. We find out that her sister, Elaine, played by Mary Ellen Traynor, has been kidnapped, and the people who have kidnapped her, Ira and Ralph, played by Zach Norman and Danny DeVito, want the map as ransom. So Joan Wilder, who is not prepared for any of this, flies to Colombia. There, she is intercepted by Colonel Zolo, played by Manuel Ojeda, who is the guy who killed Elaine's husband. Because of Zolo's manipulations, she winds up on the wrong bus, and there she's saved by Jack T. Colton, played by Michael Douglas, who is a, I guess, exotic bird smuggler, who is trying to save up enough money to get a boat so he could sail around the world. She offers to pay him to help her get out of the jungle. He agrees. Wacky hijinks ensue as they make their way across the jungle. They meet colorful characters, such as a local drug lord named Juan, played by Alfonso Arau, who inexplicably is a big fan of Joan Wilder's books. He's read all of them. Meanwhile, Jack has found out about the map and starts to romance Joan, who falls for him, and manipulates her into going to look for this jewel, which is what the treasure leads to, El Corazon, which is this giant emerald. The whole time they're also pursued by Ralph, played by Danny DeVito, who is there kind of for comic relief, and Zolo, who we now see is in charge of a lot of bad people. This all ends in one big scene at the end, where Ralph, Ira, Zolo, Joan, Jack all come together what will happen? Who will get El Corazon? Who will lose their hand to a crocodile? You'll have to watch the film to find out. Now a little bit about the cast. Jack T. Colton was played by Michael Douglas. Douglas, who bought this script, wanted to star in the film, but the studios who were backing the film wanted to try people who were more bankable. So the film was offered to a bunch of people who passed 
People who passed include Clint Eastwood, Burt Reynolds, Paul Newman, Christopher Reeve, and Sylvester Stallone. Michael K. Douglas was born on September 25, 1944. He's an award-winning actor and producer, really connected with mainstream America on his work in the TV show The Streets of San Francisco, which is great in that he teamed up with Carl Malden, who he would become friends with for the rest of his life. After that, he would produce One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, probably best known for Romancing the Stone and maybe as Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. He was also in Wonder Boys, Falling Down, The Game, a lot of stuff. Continues to work today. Joan Wilder was played by Kathleen Turner. Originally, the role was offered to Jessica Lange. She turned down the role, wanted to do more serious acting, and Kathleen Turner got the part. Mary Kathleen Turner was born on June 19, 1954, probably best known for her work in Romancing the Stone, Body Heat, and Pritzi's Honor, but she has worked in tons of films, including The Accidental Tourist, Serial Mom, Peggy Sue Got Married, War of the Roses, and many others. She also had a memorable role on the TV series Friends as Chandler Bing's father. Turner has a very no-nonsense attitude and there's lots of quotes from her saying some pretty in-your-face sort of things she's a bit of a character in real life and that's kind of interesting supposedly there were sparks on the set between her and michael douglas douglas was married at the time though and when douglas's wife visited the set the romance ground to a halt after romancing the stone turner turned down the role in king solomon's mines which would have paid about five million dollars i guess she's good at reading scripts because that role went to Sharon Stone, and the film was a bit of a flop. Even though she wouldn't do that particular jungle adventure, she would return to do the sequel to Romancing the Stone, only after Fox filed a lawsuit against her. Jewel of the Nile, which is the sequel to Romancing the Stone, would be the only sequel that Turner would do. Danny Michael DeVito played Ralph. DeVito was born in Neptune, New Jersey in November of 1944 probably best known for his work on the TV series Taxi, although he's really good on the TV show now, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's been in Romancing the Stone, Batman Returns, Get Shorty, L.A. Confidential, and of course Twins, Tonight is Your Night Bro. If you're a fan of the TV show TV's bloopers and practical jokes, there's a really funny one where they get DeVito to get into this harness and then they put him in the air over the swimming pool and then this lady accuses him of being a peeping Tom. You can kind of sometimes see it on YouTube if they don't pull it off. That was actually made during the Romancing the Stone period as a fake promo for the film, and Robert Zemeckis was in on it. Ira was played by Zach Norman. Norman was born Howard Gerald Zucker, comedian, actor, musician. He's probably best known in popular film for his work in Romancing the Stone and Cadillac Man. He would also have a recurring role on the TV series The Nanny. Alfonso Arau played Juan. Arau was born in Mexico City. He's a director, actor probably best known to American audiences for his role in The Wild Bunch, Romancing the Stone, and as El Guapo in the film The Three Amigos. Manuel Ojeda played Colonel Zolo, a prolific actor in Mexican cinema and television. He's probably best known to American audiences, though, as Zolo in Romancing the Stone. Gloria was played by Holland Taylor. Taylor was born in 43, film stage and television actress. She's worked a lot, very recognizable. If you're a Bosom Buddies fan, she played Ruth on that show. Most recently, though, you might know her as Evelyn Harper in Two and a Half Men. Finally, Mary Ellen Trainer played Ellen Wilder. 
Mary Ellen Traynor is an American actress who, to me, is best known as Irene Walsh in the film The Goonies. She also happens to be the ex-wife of the director of this film, Robert Zemeckis, and had a son with him named Alexander. The film was released on March 30th, 1984. What was it up against during that period? Some of the films that came out that week are Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Purple Hearts, and Misunderstood. The week afterwards is when Up the Creek would come out, and also the film Moscow on the Hudson, which my family would take me to see, I guess a week or so after that. Later in the month, Iceman would come out. And although my family was going to go see Swing Shift, which had also come out, because we like that sort of time period, we got to see Iceman, and that film Iceman has stuck with me ever since. If you have not seen Iceman, you should see Iceman. It's a really cool film, but I digress. The film had a $10 million budget, would go on to make $86.5 million. But when studio people saw the rough cut of Romancing the Stone, they assumed it was going to be a giant flop. So much so that the people who had hired Zemeckis to film the movie Cocoon dropped him from the film. And of course, that film would go to Ron Howard. But on a good note, because Romancing the Stone was such a big hit, Zemeckis was taken seriously and he was able to work on something, I think, a little bit more important than Cocoon, Back to the Future. The film would lead to one sequel, Jewel of the Nile, which, while not a critical hit, did pretty well at the box office. Other sequels had been planned, two, I believe, one called The Crimson Eagle and another called Racing the Monsoon, which were planned at different periods. Neither of those have gone past the development stage. Even though those films never made it on screen, DeVito, Turner, and Douglas would team up for another film, the 1989 film War of the Roses. The film would go on to win two Golden Globes and an Academy Award for Best Film Editing. The soundtrack was composed by Alan Anthony Silvestri, and he was brought in just to be the temporary soundtrack maker. But Zemeckis heard it, liked it, and decided to stick with him, and would continue to stick with Silvestri, using him on his films like Back to the Future and Forrest Gump. Silvestri grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey. His first film that he composed music for was in 1972, when he was 21, and it was the low-budget action film The Doberman Gang, which used to get a lot of sort of Sunday afternoon play, although it doesn't anymore. It's kind of a fun film to watch. The song Romancing the Stone wasn't featured prominently in the film. You can kind of hear the guitar solo in the background of the scene where Joan and Jack enter Juan's house. Although Grant was commissioned to make this song for the film, it wasn't released on the soundtrack album. And frankly, it was all over the radio, so I didn't even have to bother looking for the single or whatever they decided to release for it. I just recorded it off the radio in some poor quality way and then listened to it until I got sick of it. But they didn't think this film was going to be a big hit. Turns out it was and Eddie released the song on his own. If you watch the music video for it, they use footage from the film to sell it, which probably pushed sales even higher and made it chart. If you would like to own Romancing the Stone, it is available on all major formats. If you just need to watch it, you can find it online to stream. It is everywhere, as it should be. In Romancing the Stone, there is a treasure map that is very important to the film. That treasure map was designed by Paul Hoffman, who might be better known to people as the puzzle columnist Dr. Krypton. Paul Hoffman, born in 1956, is an author and science educator, host of the PBS TV series Great Minds of Science, and he was the president and editor of Discover. He was also the president and publisher of Encyclopedia Britannica. 
If you really need more Romancing the Stone and want to get a little bit more backstory, there was a novelization of the film that was credited to Joan Wilder, as was its sequel. These books were actually written by Catherine Lanigan, who is a best-selling author in her own right, with nearly 40 published books in both fiction and nonfiction. In addition to Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile, she wrote books like Chicken Soup for the Soul, colon, Living Your Dream, Chicken Soup for the Writer's Soul, Chocolate for a Woman's Heart, and the now-classic Chocolate for a Woman's Spirit. The book has a lot of what you see in the movie, but it does add some backstory to characters, which, if you're a stone completist, and I know there's a lot of you out there, it becomes necessary reading. If you are looking for a fun date film, or you just like to watch romantic comedies yourself that have great stories, fun locations, then Romancing the Stone is for you. I suggest you get that very special person in your life, even if it is just you, this weekend. Sit them on the couch with your favorite food, your favorite cat, your favorite drink. You sit down and enjoy this 1984 classic. I know I will. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. If you're on iTunes and you have a moment, why not stop by, give the Retroist podcast a rating. It would be very much appreciated. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. about DeVito, Turner said, he provides a sickness, the tastelessness, the dark underside. It's like being groped all day long, being somewhat short. He gets to casually drape his arm around parts of your anatomy that no one usually would. Mean. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.